hey, this is Joe DeSena, founder and CEO of Spartan. I'm about to do my one-on-one with ADC partners. Let's let it roll. Hi, this is Dave Malmey of ADC Partners. And let's get one thing out of the way. Joe DeSena thinks you're soft, and he wants you to suffer. In fairness, the founder and CEO of the obstacle competition empire Spartan Race thinks just about everyone is soft and can benefit from some suffering. Because he believes it's in those moments, when you're exhausted and at what you think are your limits, You see, that's where real personal transformation occurs, and the tightest possible bonds are formed. It's for those reasons that Joe and Spartan Race are on a mission to change 100 million lives. In our conversation, Joe and I talk about his own personal transformation, the twists and turns of making Spartan Race the global brand it is today, the challenges of running an events-based business coming out of a pandemic, and where things head from here, and why that may or may not include bears. Enjoy. So Joe DeSanta, you are clearly an inveterate entrepreneur, right? You founded your first business cleaning pools on Long Island as a teenager. Can you talk about that first initial foray into building your own business? Like, What was your motivation, and what do you attribute that initial success to? My motivation for starting a business, when I think back, because I think about my own children a lot, was simply I wanted to make money. I wanted to find out, was I, was I tough enough? Was I smart enough? Could I get it done? I was young. Everybody around me was hustling, so the environment was right. So you were surrounded by it. I was surrounded by it, and it was an achievement to have a roll of $100 bills in your pocket. It was something that people were chasing. And if you, if you didn't chase that, you were left behind. Okay. So you saw it all around you. There was a real motivating factor. It caused you to dive in, no pun intended, to the pool business. You established that foundation. You go on to the Wall Street career. It's not exactly an active lifestyle working on Wall Street. And I'm wondering at what point did you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm making a lot of money. I've got the roll of $100 bills in my pocket. Ah, but something needs to change. And I'm wondering what that moment or what was that catalyst for you? When I reflect back on it, again, I always, I always pressure test it against my wife and I's life and, and the children we have. Mm-hmm. I think of what optimal living felt like. I, I resisted it from my mom, but she was teaching yoga. She was teaching uh, long distance running, uh, meditation. We were vegan on and off. So I got a taste okay. of, of feeling well. Yeah. And, and I had no money at that time. Fast forward and I had money and now I had a taste of what feeling unwell felt like. And I think there was a moment in time my cousin happened to call me and say, have you done hot yoga yet? <laughs> Both our moms were dead at this point. So that influence wasn't there. Right. It sounded hokey. Here we go again. And that was it. It started the journey back up. I read a book that weekend. This had to be mid nineties. I read a book that weekend on raw foods. I called the author 
He came to visit me on Wall Street. I sent him a car service. Dr. Fred Bishi came to visit me. Just called him up and said, come on down. Said, listen, where are you? He said, Staten Island. I said, I want to send your car service. I want you to come. I want you to talk to all of us about what I just read in your book. You inspired me. I ran 20 miles that day after reading the book. I only ate watermelon. I felt fantastic. I was exhausted. <laughs> and uh, and that was that was it. That's what really got you rolling. So just sort of getting this feeling of, you know what, I, I physically you start feeling better. And then obviously mind body connection type stuff and you start to feel efficient, more effective in your everyday life as well. You know, you know what it feels like when you get a good night's sleep. You know what it feels like when you're full of energy all day. You know what it feels like when your stomach is operating properly, right? Yeah. You know, you know all those those feelings and and the high, the high as I'm talking to you right now, I'm just remembering all those long runs that ensued mm. all those hot yoga classes, all those long bike rides and how great I felt afterwards. It was it was just a rush of chemicals in the brain. It was yeah, it was just feeling optimal. So you begin competing in some I think the only way to phrase this is some pretty intense events. Right. You know, a feeling for you, an Ironman is kind of a warm up event. Right. You know, you, you, you do the Iditarod on foot. Uh, you do this winter endurance race in Quebec. That's like 350 kilometers long. And I think it was during that that the sort of Spartan event began to or the first iteration of it started to come to you. And can you can you give some context for that moment? Like that moment of discovery and when that happened and, and the context of that? I, I'm, you know, naturally, as you mentioned earlier, I'm naturally an entrepreneur. I think that way. I'm wired that way. I found myself on these very long journeys, very yeah, arduous, yeah. very uncomfortable, yeah. lots of time to think, no staring at phones. Phones were not a thing back then. And I just started thinking, wow, what would my life be like? If, if this, if, if my business and my passion came together, if I could change other people's lives. So out of selfishness, I, I thought, gee, could I start a business that paid the bills that changed lives? Mm -hmm. That was, that was the inspiration. That was the motivation at that moment in time. I didn't quite leave wall street right away. And I kept, you know, probably two feet, on Wall Street, I only stuck a hand out, <laughs> the pinky toe. Yeah, on this endeavor, and it and it worked. Eventually, I mean, it worked. It took it took a decade. Yeah, this is you know, success is not necessarily a straight line. Um, can you talk a little bit about? Hey, can you give people a little bit of perspective about what a Spartan race is, what it entails, and then a little bit about some of the <laughs> hurdles that were in your way to getting to the point where you find yourself today? Yeah, Spartan race is an obstacle race. It's, it's military inspired. It's crawling, climbing, jumping, you name it. If you can envision what GI Jane, <laughs> GI Joe, yeah. right? And their training and, and, and having to pass some tests in the military, that, that is basically an obstacle race. You're running, climbing, crawling, jumping, and, you're being tested in physical and mental ways that you've never been tested before. We can go out and do a run. It's very linear. We can go out yep. and do a bike ride, very linear. 
this is up and down and sideways and it really tests you at your core. It breaks up the monotony of a run. They're varying distances, could be three miles, eight miles, 13 miles or a hundred miles. We put them on all over the world. Our main competitor for most of our existence was a company called Tough Mudder. We, we acquired them right before the pandemic, the absolute worst time. Youch. And, but we see ourselves as a much bigger platform. We see ourselves not only as an obstacle race, we see ourselves as, you know, the house of hard. We put on hard, challenging events all over the globe. Anything that may inspire you, if it's soft and easy, it's not us. Our goal is to change 100 million lives. It's a big, audacious, ridiculous goal. We've changed 10 million so far. We receive emails, phone calls, text messages every day. I'm back with my husband. I'm back with my wife. I gave up drugs. I gave up alcohol. I, I didn't kill myself. Mm. Those are the messages we get every day. Talk about, talk about getting paid in rolls of $100 bills. That is incredible currency. Psychic income. Yeah, for me. So so that's what we do. Now you say to yourself, if you're listening or watching this, you say to yourself, how could that be? How could a rope climb and a barbed wire crawl change somebody's life? Well, change does not occur on the couch. It doesn't, it doesn't occur in comfort. Change occurs when you reach a place where you no longer want to take another step, where you're exhausted, where you're broken, where you're, you're basically meeting yourself. And it's hard to get people to meet themselves in normal everyday life. So, so what we created is a change agent and it worked. 2020, 2028 Olympics in LA, you will see a version of Spartan. Hmm. So it's, it's not only this transformation tool, it's also a legitimate sport. You know, we've talked about like there was some difficulty getting Spartan Race to the point where it was today. There were some, I think, some some real lows, but obviously leading to the highs that you're experiencing now with being a global event and purchasing your competitor, your first number one competitor, and things like that. Was there a point where you said, "Holy shit, we figured it out. This is this is it. This is going to be successful." Just before the pandemic, we pounded our chests and we said, we got it. <laughs> Set in stone, we're profitable. Finally, we got this thing working. We'll buy our competitor. And then the world, you know, the floor fell out from under us. And, and we've been reeling and trying to, to get back on our feet ever since we got shut down. Every day gets a little better, but oh my God, has this been the hardest journey of my life. Yeah, it's been a brawl, right? I, you know, I think everybody kind of assumes that, oh, look, we're post-pandemic now and life's back to normal. But that's not always the case with events. I mean, you're there's an element of kind of just picking it right back up from scratch again. What adjustments have you seen post-pandemic, both in terms of the business, but in the terms of people competing at your events? Look, the tide is up against us systemically around the globe every year that goes by in every country every orifice of the earth people plants animals are getting softer mm. we're fed on demand climate controlled sitting under shelter like everything is at our fingertips 
we're wired to not want to do hard, to not want to get uncomfortable. And that made sense for 5 million years. Mm. It doesn't make sense now. You know, if this was the 1700s, I would be saying to you, we need more couches. We need more vaccinations. But, but we don't need that. We need more hard. And coming out of the pandemic, it sped up the race to soft. So people don't want to go to work anymore. They, they want to work from home. I don't blame them, but I, I, you know, I get it, right? We want to have more convenient lives. That's a, that's a tough mindset for us to crack when you're in the business we're in. Like we're selling discipline, hard work, commitment. When people want Uber Eats, marshmallows, and Netflix, tough, tough sell. You literally want to put hurdles in people's lives. I want to break people. Yeah. You literally want people to be at, you want to be the vector with which people experience some of the most physically difficult things to bring them to a low, to build themselves back up. I mean, that's the goal. Yeah. The goal is to break people down, to meet themselves, to then put themselves back together in a much better fashion. This is, this is not a one and done game, by the way. This is the lifestyle change. This yep. is going to bed earlier, waking up earlier, choosing your friends more wisely. This is a major lifestyle change. And this is not something that most brands, if any, are, are promoting. I mean, the military talks like we do to customers and potential customers. Um, Whole Foods does a little, you know, Yoga Journal does a little bit, but but there's not too many brands out there that are pushing what we're pushing. But here's the other thing too, though, and I've noticed from a couple of the events that I've attended that there is this very pervasive spirit of camaraderie that goes along at these events. I mean, you're talking, a lot of what we're talking about is the individual focus, right? Breaking down people and experiencing that difficulty. But I think that one of the things that really makes the events remarkable is that, yeah, you may be experiencing that, but you're surrounded by people in the same moment that are helping you over obstacles, encouraging you to finish. And you think, was that expected? Was that something that you, that spirit of community, something you wanted to build or did it happen organically? I did not expect a lot of things that happened to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I just knew that when I did hard, I was happier. Yeah. I, and I knew that when I did hard with other people, we were, we were, we were all happier and, and we definitely built bonds, right? They, they, they come into the community and they get sucked into this new lifestyle. Most people, again, they're building camaraderie through staying up late and drinking at a bar playing playing you know nine rounds nine holes of golf remember it's different it's different than suffering and tearing up mm. together under barbed wire to seeing somebody exposed yeah it's just different yeah and i think those kinds of bonds and ties are something that you can't quite experience until you've been there. I mean, you hear a lot about, you brought up the military earlier. You hear a lot about it from people who have been in the military, the bonds of brotherhood 
in those very, very difficult moments, the moment that you're with that guy next to you or the person next to you trying to accomplish that one goal. And it sounds like a lot of what you're hoping people take away from Spartan while certainly not being in the military and certainly not experiencing true, true, true conflict. It's a, it's an element of that, that people are trying to experience. There's no, no doubt about it. We, we all look, we watch the heroes in movies. We read about them in books, the, the Rocky Balboa, the Olympian, uh, you name the story, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Fighting off a bear. And when we, <laughs> in our minds, we become that character. We wonder, can, could we have been that? Could we have survived that? And so these are moments at our events where you get to find out, you get to be that Olympian. You get to be Rocky Balboa for a day. Please tell me you're not putting live bears in a Spartan race. We are training them currently. We've got a <laughs> hundred bears being trained to, to break, but not kill. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if that's something that happens, I want to make sure that I'm there on the sidelines to be able to see that because you will, you will be able to sell tickets for that for sure. Yeah. The live bear quotient. Where does, besides live bears, where does the Spartan head from here? Is it really continuing just to focus on that core business and get it back to pre-pandemic stage? Or do you see this desire and people's desire to put those hurdles in front of themselves to get back to that, you know, I'm going to get a little, you know, woo-woo here and feeling alive, truly alive in that moment. So where does it go from here? Look, we, we just need the community to continue to tell two friends who tell two friends who tell two friends and continue on the mission of changing lives. That's it. We, we, I, don't, I don't believe we're going to be a company. We want to stay true to our roots established 2,500 years ago. We're not looking for new gimmicky products and services. We, we carry rocks. We do burpees. We eat salad. <laughs> we're like, we're like, you know, we we're not looking to create jazzercise one. Like that's just not Spartan jazzercise. There you go. That's somebody I want to see get eaten by a beer. Bear. We're, yeah, we just we make it hard. Yeah. We ask you to commit. Suck it up, Buttercup, as my daughter would say. <laughs> the daughter has clearly got it right on. Uh, Joe DeSanta, thanks so much for spending time. Um, I know, obviously, this is a transitional and transformational moment for the business, so good luck with that. But before I let you go, I want to make sure that I put you through uh, the lightning round, which is a couple of very quick questions for you. Um, you. You're not seeing these ones coming. Just give me the first and quickest response you possibly can. Are you ready for the lightning round? Ready for the lightning round. Let's do it. Let's do this. Okay, first, what's your Moby Dick as far as event locations are concerned? Where do you, What event location are you still chasing? The greatest event location globally that would excite me the most. I mean, we have the desert, which was exciting out in Abu Dhabi. We'd had the Great Wall in China. We did. I'm, I'm searching in my mind for some exotic some place you haven't been. I haven't been. The moon. I guess the, the most obvious would either be, and this is going to piss people off. <laughs> I'd love to have a race in North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a white whale that you are chasing there okay well, off to north korea uh you obviously worked on wall street for a while what was the one stock you wish you picked 
I picked a lot of stocks that were the right ones. I just sold them too early. Okay. <laughs> Not so much about the one, it's the when. Uh, what Spartan race obstacle did you look at and think, oh, we might have overdone it here? The gladiators. Which was? Coming into the finish line, there were a few gladiators that were massive men would just pummel you <laughs> if you tried to cross the finish line. That, that turned out to be a bridge too far. The, <laughs> the other one was at our death race, I made the participants dig holes, build caskets, get in them, and I buried them. That was <laughs> that was a bridge too far. <laughs> but great content nonetheless. Okay, uh, you started your pool business on Long Island, and legend has it that a few mob guys were among your customers. Can you please give me your very best Long Island forget about it? One of my customers asked me to go see a guy who were guys in that business. And to wait outside his house, he wanted to put a pool in on his roof. Waited. And he never came out. Years later, it came, it, it, we found out he was killing his architect inside the house at the time I was waiting outside. So it's a good thing I didn't go in. Yep. That'll be the best appointment you ever missed. Uh, and lastly, who was Leo? Leo, my little kettlebell friend. Carry Leo around. I haven't done it in a while because... On every flight I took around the world, well, 90% of the flights I took around the world, they started to take Leo from me. Oh. I would then arrive at my meeting without Leo, my kettlebell, and have to run and buy one because I would be considered, a, and it just became too ridiculous. It became too over the top. How heavy was Leo? Leo was supposed to be 20 pounds. My wife mistake, mistakenly purchased a 20 ke uh, kilogram <laughs> KG. <laughs> And, and so it was 44 pounds and it, or 42 pounds and it became a bit of a... Became a thing. Became a thing. But what was awesome about it for the, for the three years I carried him everywhere was every day, every moment became a workout. If I, if I had to go to a different terminal at an airport, it, was, it became like... <laughs> became <broad>. a thing. <laughs> Joe Desain, I appreciate the time, man. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the one-on-one -on -one Sports Business Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed it, we always appreciate a subscribe, share, comment, or like. And don't forget, you can always find past episodes at abcpartners.com slash podcast. This podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Dave Almey. And the theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. <laughs>